Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the four members of Back to Ashes. Samantha Place, Lisa Redford, Ashley Miles, Interscare Wifey, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Mana Ash, Normie D.W., Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or would like to buy me a copy as a special thank you, all of the information can be found down below. Before we start today's stories, I would also like to give a very, very heartfelt thank you to those of you who have donated to my GoFundMe. As of right now, I am still looking for a new place to move. I will keep you updated on the GoFundMe page. Thank you once again. Now, with all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. I was out buying a vape a couple of weeks ago, and while walking back, a man I don't know approached me and asked if I had cigarettes and he wanted to know what was in my pocket. I told him it was a vape and then he started leaving, but not before giving me a brand new umbrella with tags on it. This was in the morning. Yesterday I was out and he asked me if I had cigarettes or tobacco again. I said I didn't and then he beckoned for me to go with him. I told him I didn't have anything and just started saying no. Then he took a pair of faux fur leopard print gloves out of his pocket and shoved them in my shopping bag. Then he said it was for me and left. I started walking the opposite direction of home, and then when he had gone, I headed back. I was told to throw the bag away. I did. There were other things in it, too. There was also toothpaste, a Nerf bullet thing, and a spoon. It seemed like it was stuff he needed, but he was adamant I take it. The gloves were used and didn't smell great. They were women's gloves as well, and they were not winter gloves. After all this has happened, I make sure to look around me before I even start my walk so I can choose which way to head home. I'm still trying to figure out how to handle this, so any advice would be greatly appreciated. I was going back upstairs to my room in a motel, and a guy joined me in the elevator. He started asking me what I'm up to and if I'm alone. I am, but he doesn't need to know that, so I told him I'm with my boyfriend. I got out of the elevator, and when I noticed he was close behind me, I walked a bit past my room and then turned around and walked the other way towards the elevator again. 
As I waited for the elevator, I saw him turn around and begin walking towards me yet again. I went to the lobby to see if he would still follow me, and of course he did. I eventually was able to get to my room without him seeing me, but now I'm pretty anxious. I don't want to leave my room anymore, on the off chance that he'd see me and know what room I'm in. Is there anything I should do in this situation? Any advice you have would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I, I'm now 26 and identify as non-binary, was 13 and just moved to my current area. I was at an outdoor water park with my cousin. She's the same age as me. And we ran into a dude who was in his 40s or 50s, if I had to guess, in the wave pool. He started talking to us and my cousin ended up swimming away. Turns out my cousin was smarter than I ended up being. I thought the dude seemed chill, but when the wave started, and every single time a wave would pass by, he'd fully grope both of my boobs and say, Oops, sorry. I didn't even know how to react at the time, so I kept talking to the dude until the waves stopped. Then I swam away from him as quick as I could and got out of the pool. I told my mom and my cousin about what happened and my cousin told me she had got a weird feeling about that guy. Unfortunately, I couldn't find him when my mom asked me if I could see him. I truly hope he's rotting in prison or is on some sex offender registry now. He truly belonged on the show to catch a predator. It also doesn't help his case that I've always looked young for my age. This may not be creepy, I don't know. All I know is it creeped me out. A few years ago, when I, the 23-year-old female, was 18, I was going grocery shopping. As I was walking down the aisles, I noticed this older guy, maybe in his late 50s, early 60s, who seemed to be following me. Every aisle I went down, he was at the other end, staring at me. I'm a bit paranoid because I'm five foot three and 95 pounds, and I know I would have had a hard time fighting off someone if I needed to. I kept an eye on him, and when I went to check out, he was right behind me. I was stupid at the time and didn't ask someone to walk me to my car because I carry a ton of self-defense stuff, like pepper spray, screamers, window breakers, and seatbelt cutters. I was meek and didn't want to bother the busy workers. I booked it to my car and saw him following me. I locked my car doors and sped out of the parking lot. I'm grateful I checked my back mirrors because he was still following me. At that point, I kept circling the same block over and over. After like five minutes of doing this, he finally got the point that I was on to him and would keep circling the block until he stopped. He drove away. I circled a few more times and then drove to my friend's house because I was scared he was still out there and would find out where I lived. What's also scary is that a similar thing happened the next time I was shopping. It wasn't the same guy, but it was still as unnerving. 
I told my mom, and she gave me the rules of having someone walk me to my car, and if someone is following me, to pull into a police station. Every day, when my classes were done, I walked to my grandfather's apartment to wait there for my mom to pick me up after school. His apartment is maybe 15 minutes from my school. So I had to walk through kind of a quiet street first, and usually I wouldn't see anyone there. But while I was walking, I heard footsteps behind me. I looked to see if anyone was walking behind me, and I saw this guy, maybe in his 30s, walking behind me, but not like too close. So I thought that maybe he lives somewhere in the street. But then he started to walk really close to me and looked at me really weird. He could easily pass me if I walked too slow or he could cross the street. But he kept walking super close to me and I had a feeling something was wrong about this situation. Eventually, he was maybe like two feet behind me and I crossed the street because I was too scared, and then I saw he wanted to cross the street too, probably to follow me again. But he had to wait because a car was passing by, so I just ran as fast as I could to my grandfather, and after that, I always asked my friend, whose grandparents lived on the same street, to walk with me after school from that point forward. So, for some context, I'm a 26-year-old female and also live currently with another female roommate who hasn't been here a lot lately due to the fact she's been staying at her boyfriend's house. We've both only been living here for a half of a year, about six months roughly, so a pretty good while but not years. I feel safe in this house, typically, but that all changed a few nights ago when I was there alone. The doors were locked thank goodness, but I was in the kitchen, and in the kitchen, the window above our sink looks out into the back of our property, and there's just straight-up woods in the back of our house, so we've never bothered to get a curtain for our kitchen window because there's nothing back there. It just hasn't seemed like a priority. So, I'm in the kitchen making some ramen on the stove, which is right next to the sink, and I hear something outside of the window. So I looked out there, and there was a man standing there, looking directly at me. He ran away, obviously, but I didn't know if he was trying to get in or what. I called the police and then my father. The police were so nice, but because he was gone by the time they arrived, they couldn't do much. I have cameras for the sides in front of the house. They told me to get one for the back, and if he comes back, and to call them, and they'll handle it. I'm not staying here anymore. I ordered a ring from Amazon, set it up, and I've been watching the house for my families for a week. I don't know when I'll feel safe enough to return. I'm truly scared to even live in my own home. This happened a couple years ago. 
I, a 26-year-old female, was walking my dog, Indy, in my local field. It was dark, but it wasn't late. It was wintertime in the UK, so it was maybe 6 p.m. The field is mainly used for rugby or football, but is completely free to walk through whenever. It is also surrounded by houses and streetlights on the roads. But the field itself is really dark, so I had brought a torch with me. Mainly so I didn't step in any dog shit. I've come in one entrance of the field and I'm following a path that leads to another exit and entrance. I used the field to make a loop back around onto the road and back to my house, giving my dog some off-lead time whilst in the field. Anyway, as I'm walking up the field, I notice a figure walk in the exit entrance I was going to use to leave. I keep my eye on this figure as they have very dark clothing on and their hood up. I'm shining my torch as I'm walking so I know the person knows I'm there as it's very obvious. At first I wasn't nervous, more so just being vigilant. Indy is a wonderful German shepherd, so as you can imagine I feel pretty safe with her. It wasn't until I saw the person dug down behind a bush or tree. There is lots of new trees and bushes planted sporadically up the part of the field that isn't used for sports that I absolutely froze. I was about 200 feet from the exit, but would have to walk past the bush they hid behind to get to it. I call Indy over and got her back on the lead so she is close. By this point, she is also hyper alert due to the person behind the bush. With that, I hear a weird, high-pitched voice that sounded like they were saying my dog's name. I assume they heard me call her. They said it three to four times in this longed-out, high-pitched voice. It's clearly coming from the person hiding. Luckily, Indy wasn't reacting to it as it probably barely sounded like her name to her. I had a moment of, shall I fight or flight? Either I, one, run past the bush and try for the exit, two, turn around and run back into the dark field and make for the other exit, a lot further away. Or three, confront this asshole. Indy, at this point, is hackles up, ears up, and very alert in front of me, all while still maintaining a wonderful sense of calm. I went with number three, so I confronted that asshole. I mustered up every bit of courage and confidence I had and shouted at the top of my lungs, What the hell are you doing? The hooded man came out from the bush very quickly without saying anything, and I said the same thing again. What the heck are you doing trying to scare a young woman? I'm so glad my voice didn't shake or break when I said it, as I really was terrified at this point. He started to stutter and said, Oh, oh, oh I, I thought you were someone I knew. I answered back and said, who the hell hides from someone they think they know in a dark field? After that, he apologized a couple times and continued to skulk down the rest of the field and I made a swift exit with Indy. God knows what his intentions were. Maybe he thought I had a smaller dog or was going to try and attack me. Maybe he saw Indy and realized, no chance in hell. Or... Maybe he really did think I was someone he knew. 
Whatever it was, it was weird and scary as hell. I usually don't bother posting my business on the internet to people, but I figured that typing this situation out might make me feel better. So, I am 23 years old, a female, and live on my own. I just moved out to the area for school and went to my local Walmart to gather supplies for cleaning. As I walked in, I took note of an older man near the entrance that I briefly made eye contact with and nodded at and just kept walking. I looked at folders for a bit and then made my way towards the electronics section at the back to look for a charger. I was making my way through the aisles on the way down looking at the fall decorations. Lots of them were geared toward kids, so I just glanced at them quickly and turned around to leave. The same man was there. I didn't hear him walk into the aisle, by the way and was holding or inspecting some paper plates with childish Halloween designs on them for kids. I thought that was a little strange, but brushed it off thinking he had grandkids. I left and made my way to the electronics section where they kept chargers behind locked glass doors. I'm there for about seven to eight minutes, and the same old man shows up. At this point, I'm pretty far from where I last saw him and I see in the reflection of the glass that he is checking out my ass as he walks by. I brush it off because I'm used to men making quick glances like that in public, and just left it at that. He is looking at the display behind me at the other side, goes to leave, and then this is where it gets really creepy. He stands right behind me and starts aggressively eyeing me up and down while licking his lips paying particular attention to my backside and my legs. He's basically undressing me with his eyes. At this point, he was giving off massive creep vibes, and I start shaking with adrenaline. I was alone in the aisle with him, and was afraid he would try to grab me. I stay calm despite my throat feeling like it had a ball in it and wait for him to leave. So he finally does. Then I go to a random aisle nearby electronics, but in the general part of the store. I noticed there were two men behind the electronics counter wanted to stay near them if something went wrong, and waited a few minutes just standing there to see if he would show back up. I wanted to confirm if he was following me or not. Sure enough, five minutes later, there he was. I caught him quite literally speed walking down the main walkway, looking down each aisle as if frantically looking just for me. He stopped dead, saw me noticed him, and then promptly scurried off. Went to electronics section and informed them I was being followed and was not comfortable, and asked if there was security. They don't have any, just theft prevention, and they offered to check me out there or accompany me to finish shopping. They were very kind, and I took them up on the offer to get my cleaning supplies nearby. As we turned together, the same damn guy was standing further away staring at me. He literally just increased the radius he was using to follow me and was watching me from the front by the registers now. I get my stuff, 
check out and then weave through all of the clothing sections to leave from a different section than the one I originally entered in and saw him from. I didn't see him at all this whole time and got to my car. Promptly drove to my new place but stopped halfway at a random neighborhood. I pulled over and pretended that was my house to see if anyone told me. Did not want this guy finding out where I lived. And then drove home when I didn't see anyone. I may be overacting but this is a new area to me and I never had someone be quite that creepy and persistent in following me. I've done things on my own plenty of times and never had an issue. This all happened in the middle of the day at like 3 p.m. too. I was wearing loose clothing and just wanted to make a quick trip in and out. I have no idea what could have happened if I didn't notice or what his intentions might have been. I can't imagine they were good. Maybe he would have followed me to my new place. Who knows? Either way, the whole encounter was scary as hell. He had no clue I saw his reflection and the nasty expression on his face. Just stay aware, guys, and please watch out for yourselves. For some context, I was dating my now husband, and he lived around a 40-minute drive from me. The area I lived in was a well-populated suburb, whereas he lived in essentially the middle of nowhere. After the two gas stations off the rarely used highway exit, it was ten minutes of farmland with maybe five random farmhouses along the way. On the night of this story, I had gotten off work late and decided to go spend the night with future husband. I'd been on the highway for maybe five minutes when a gold pickup truck started driving next to me. At first, I didn't really think anything of it, but then he just stayed there, directly beside me, on a mostly empty three-lane highway. Yeah, weird. Once I noticed it was strange, I looked over at the truck more purposefully and the man driving was waving at me like he wanted to say hi. So I made a sort of what-the-hell kind of face and gave a feeble wave back and then eyes back on the road. I then slowed down to try to break pace with him, but he slowed down too, then started waving more in a way like he wanted me to pull over. I ignored him and sped up again. He then started alternating between tailgating in the same lane, then driving beside me again and trying to get my attention. Tailgating, beside, tailgating, beside. He did this probably six or seven times. So it's time for me to exit, and the next exit isn't for another 20 minutes down the road. Plus, I wouldn't know how to get where I'm going from there. So I decide to take my proper exit and hope for the best. Gold truck follows me. Shit. There were two lanes on the frontage road for a while, and he drove beside me. When it came time to merge to one lane, I waited until the last minute then quickly braked, which he wasn't expecting, forcing him into the lead position, meaning he was no longer following me. I thought at that point I'd be able to make a quick turn to get fully away, but there weren't any turns for a mile or two, and he pulled into the first gas station, 
waited for me to drive past, then immediately got back on the road behind me. So it's kind of down to the wire for me to decide what to do, before I'm on a dark country road with no lights and no help. I decided to call his bluff, but in a way that I felt at least somewhat safe. I pulled into the second gas station and parked as close to the, still open, convenience store as I could. He parked right next to me. I gave him the most psychotic, angry face I could force, rolled my window down just a crack so he could hear me, and screamed at him to stop freaking following me, or I was going to call the cops. He just smiled at me and didn't say anything or leave, so I called the cops as promised. He left before the police arrived, but I gave them his plates and description. Nothing ever came of it, of course, and the cops gave the lame excuse that when they ran the plates, it showed that he works in the next town over, so maybe he really did need to take the same exit, which obviously explains all of his other strange behavior. I never ran into him again, that I noticed. I did have some anxiety whenever I had to make that drive again for a while. So yeah, that's my story of the time I was almost, I don't know, kidnapped or worse, in the middle of the night in Bum Fudge, Illinois. For context, this is a camping story. To set the stage for this story, we must go back to the far-off year of 1988. The location is the Cascade Mountains of Oregon. I was 10 years old, and with me was my mom, dad, best friend, and our golden retriever, Amber. We were very much an outdoor family and had many camping trips before this and since, but to this day, when I think about it, I still remember the terror I felt that weekend so long ago. After a brief talk with my father recently, it kind of came back to the front of my mind. He also was able to fill in a few details that I had forgotten about. This holiday was like many others. We packed up the station wagon with everything we would need for a hike into one of our favorite lakes to camp at. To make this trip even more exciting for me was the fact it was my birthday weekend, and I got to pick this lake. After we arrived at the trailhead and got our packs on, my dad got his sidearm out and strapped it onto his belt. In Oregon, open carry was permitted in national forests, and my dad always had a gun on his hip while in the woods, which always added a sense of security. We had a close call with a bear one time in which it came in handy. The lake was about a four-mile moderate hike in through some thick forest, but the trail itself was well-maintained and was never very busy, so it was going to be a very pleasant hike in. We started off on our hike, and back in the 80s, it was not uncommon to have your dog off the leash on the trails in the forest, so we let Amber run and do her thing. She was a good dog and never ran off for too long or jumped on people. She did love people, though. And speaking of people, we had not seen anyone else on the trail after about two miles in on the hike. 
which was nice since it was just all of us talking, laughing, and enjoying nature. My best friend and I started to hike ahead of everyone else because we were so energized and excited about finding the first and best tent spot once we got to the lake. Amber was bounding ahead of us and having a great time too. We were about 20 yards ahead of my parents when Amber stopped dead in her tracks. I thought she maybe saw a chipmunk or something, maybe a bird, but her hackles came up and she let out the loudest of growls. She never growls. So we stopped walking and I thought maybe a bear or deer or something was just off the trail and she saw or heard it. We immediately started walking backwards, and my parents caught up to us. My dad asked what was going on. I told him that Amber is up the trail and is growling at something. He tells us girls to stay back with my mom, and he walks ahead to where Amber was at on the trail. My dad gets up to her and looks around. I hear Amber whimper a bit while looking off the trail. My dad confronts her and calls her back and walks back to us. He says it must have been an animal, and he did not see anything right off the trail or ahead of us. He says to let him take the lead, and we continue to hike. It did not take long before it was forgotten, and Amber and the rest of us were all having a good time again. We arrived at the lake, and much to my delight, there was no one else there camping. The water was clean and blue, and the shade from the trees made the whole scene just perfect. My friend and I found the best spot to set up our tent, and my parents followed suit. After we had camp set up, my folks went off to fish just down the hill, and my friend and I took off with Amber to walk around to the other side of the lake to catch salamanders. We only made it about an eighth of a mile when Amber stopped and started to growl. We stopped and looked around and heard brush rustling. Then, right in front of us, a man walked out of the trees. Amber stayed right by our side and started to bare her teeth. He was taller than my dad, so at least six foot four, was very skinny, and had very broad shoulders. He was clean cut and was wearing black jeans and a white polo shirt with loafers. I mean, he did not look like he had hiked at all or was even dressed for the outdoors. He almost looked like he came out of church. He just stood there trying to process the situation when Amber began to bark. The guy just stood there, not moving, and he smiled, like the creepiest smile I have ever seen. It felt like someone who thought that was what a smile was supposed to look like. Amber kept barking, and this got my parents' attention and they looked up to us and called out to us to come back. We complied and started to walk back towards them. My dad met us halfway and told us to go back to the campsite, and he was going to talk to this guy. We got back to our camp, and my mom sat with us. I could hear my dad asking the guy if he needed help, or was he a fellow camper who had just set up a camp away from the lake. My dad was being polite and calm, but I could see he was on guard and trying to fill out the situation. Now is the time to mention that my dad was ex-army and can be very intimidating when need be. 
The conversation continues. The guy told my dad he was just on a walk and did not mean to intrude on us. The guy says goodbye and walks back into the woods. My dad walked back to camp and sat down and told us that he thinks the guy may just be a yuppie camper and does not know much about the outdoors. But my dad said that he got a weird vibe off of him and would be keeping an eye out for him. Amber stayed by our side and was calm, yet she kept looking towards the direction the guy went. A bit more time goes by, and we have a nice campfire going, and the sun was starting to set. We cooked some dinner and made s'mores afterwards. My friend and I decided to go to our tent and read some books and tell each other some scary stories. Amber followed us to the tent and laid right outside of the door. My parents walked down to the lake to sit, have a beer, and just chill. They were never more than 50 yards away. Not long after my parents walked away, I hear Amber start to growl. Then we hear footsteps coming from the woods behind our tent. My friend and I turn off our flashlight and go quiet to listen. The footsteps stopped at the edge of the woods. We then hear heavy breathing and a grunting sound. Amber starts to bark, and we then hear the footsteps retreat to the woods. Amber whimpers a bit, and I then hear my parents walking back to the camp. I go out and tell them what happened. My dad said that he heard Amber barking, and that is why they came back up. I ask my dad what he should do. What is going on and if that strange guy was the one creeping around? He tells me that we will see about moving camp in the morning, since we still have three days left on the trip and nothing has happened to warrant just leaving. But he said that we will play it by ear, and just be a little more vigilant. And if something changes, we will decide what to do next. He tells us to try to get some sleep, and we all turn in for the night. The next morning, we get up and have breakfast. After breakfast, we head down to the lake to fish. It was a beautiful day, and we were having so much fun. The events from the prior day were almost forgotten. We decided around lunchtime that we would go for a short hike to the waterfall that is up from the lake. We were gone for only about an hour, and when we came back, we found our tents had been opened and our sleeping bags drug out onto the ground. My dad tells us to hang back with mom, and he goes to investigate. He comes back and says nothing is missing, but it was not an animal that did this. He says we should break camp, hike back to the car, and find another spot to camp for the next couple of days. I could tell my dad was not wanting to frighten us, but I heard the urgency in his voice. I was very disappointed, but if it meant we could enjoy the rest of the trip and not worry about some creep messing with us, then I guess it was worth it. We broke camp and started our hike back, Dad was in the lead, and we were double-timing it, and made it back to the car in record time. As we walk over to the car, we see that one of our tires were flat. Not a big deal. We always had a spare, but when my dad bent down to start taking the lugs off, we swore. It was just not a flat. Someone had slashed the tire. 
Dad changed that tire in record time, and we threw everything into the car. And he goes to turn the car on, but it would not start. Dad swears, gets out of the car and pops the hood. He says, Shit! It turns out, someone took our spark plug wires. Old cars like that Chevy wagon did not have internal hood releases. You could just pop the hood from the outside. Dad slams the hood, says some very colorful words, and kicks some rocks. We were stuck, and no one else was at the trailhead. We were officially stranded. My parents are calm under pressure, and after a few minutes of discussion, it was decided that Dad would start walking down the road until he could hitch a ride to town and go to the auto parts store. Mom and the rest of us were going to wait in the car and look for someone to hopefully pull into the trailhead and help us. A few hours go by and no one has come to the trailhead. It is getting hot and we are getting hungry and tired. My mom makes us lunch and we go to sit under a tree to cool off. Amber is by our side and was calm, but then we hear a voice. Amber leaps up and starts to whimper. The creepy guy from yesterday comes down the trail and is asking my mom if we need help. My mom tells him we are fine, that it is being settled and my dad will be back soon. This creep then tells her that his camp is close and he is parked on the old fire road that is near the lake and asks us if we would like to come back to his camp and wait until my dad returns. Mom sternly tells him no, that we will just wait here and thank you anyway. He does not like this. He tells my mom that it is not safe out here for a pretty lady and two young girls. My mom, just like my dad, is no pushover and asserts herself again that we do not need any help and to please just leave us alone. The guy just stands there, smiles really wide, and then just turns around and leaves. My mom is visibly shaken and us girls were just a bit scared too. My mom comes over to us and tells us that we need to stay close, do not wonder, and that we will be okay. My friend and I are really kind of freaked out and are just hoping my dad will make it back soon. After about another 30 minutes, the creepy guy comes back. This time, though, he is not alone and has a slightly younger guy with him. The other guy is dressed as a yuppie camper and had a very stern look on his face. My mother stands her ground as they approach. Amber starts to low growl and her hackles go up. The two guys flank us and one of them flashes a gun tucked in his belt. The older guy tells us that we need to go with him and that they were not asking. My mom backs up next to us and without taking her eyes off of them, reaches to her belt and pulls out her bowie knife. My mom said she will not be going and that they need to leave now. The two men did not even flinch at this and said that we will come with them or they will seriously hurt us. At this point though, Amber goes from just growling to barking and puts herself between us and them. This makes the guys stop. My mom yells that they need to leave now. They start backing up 
and at that moment we hear a truck pulling into the trailhead parking lot. At the sight of the truck, the guys start to walk away fast and disappear into the tree line. The truck was a forest ranger, and he had my dad with him. My dad jumped out of the truck and ran over to us, asking if we were okay. The ranger came over and asked who those men were and if we were okay. My mom explained everything while my dad hugged us girls and told us we will be okay. The ranger takes off to go looking for the men. My dad tells us that he was about five miles from the town when the ranger picked him up and took him the rest of the way to get the part for the car. He then drove him back to our car. After hearing what happened, my dad was pissed and wanted to find the guys who tried to kidnap us, and that had been terrorizing us for the past 24 hours. The ranger came back and told us that he had almost caught up to them, but they sped away in their truck with a camper in tow. They had been parked behind a small ridge behind the lake on an old logging road. He did not get a plate, but he radioed a description of the men and their truck and camper to the local sheriff's office. He also took our information and said he would pass it on to them. He waited with us until Dad had the car fixed and we were able to leave. We decided to not continue camping and instead drive a couple of hours to spend the last two days of the trip at the beach and stay in a hotel. A few days later, a deputy called my dad and told him they never did find the men. He said that it was most likely a crime of opportunity after seeing a woman with two girls in tow. He was sure they had been watching us from the trail and had messed with our camp to judge how my dad would react. When my dad seemed to be too big of a threat, they sabotaged our car, hoping to put us in a position where we would be vulnerable. He said they would follow up with us if they find out anything else, but according to my dad, nothing ever came of it. Years later, I tried to do some research on crimes in that area of Oregon during the 80s that might have involved something like we experienced. All I could find was a few reports of campers being robbed and a few cars broken into. There was one case of a young lady and her dog going missing from an area near there, but it was never determined what had happened to her, or even if it was something bad or she just ran away. I can tell you that we did go back to that lake a few years later and had a very uneventful camping trip. It was nice to go back and find some joy in a spot that was special to me. I really hope those creepy guys never hurt anyone, and maybe were caught for other crimes. I will never know, though. I just hope to never run into a situation like that again. I can say that having a dog along with us helped our situation. She was the hero and keeps us alert. Amber went on to live until she was 12 years old and passed with her favorite people around her. Remember to stay safe. Stay watchful, and it never hurts to have a sweet, brave dog with you. So, this happened about seven months ago. 
I was visiting San Diego for job interviews and staying at my favorite hotel in Sorrento, Mesa. For background, I'm a 40-year-old man and a pretty big guy. I'm 6'1 and a former strip club bouncer. Now, on to the weirdness. On my third night, I was up pretty late after hanging out with some old friends after my interviews. I got back to the hotel at around 2 a.m. with some Sunny's Donuts. After eating a few, drinking a few more, and watching South Park post-COVID, I decided to have a smoke before going to bed. This made it now 3 a.m. So I go downstairs, walk out front to the smoking area by the fountain. But there's another couple who are also staying at the hotel already there. I didn't want to impose, so I decided to just walk around the outside parts of the hotel while I smoked. I walked around the pool, the barbecue area, the basketball courts, then started back for the side door. As I did, a black sedan drove up alongside me and stopped. The window rolled down, and a tiny Asian woman asked if I knew how to get out of the parking lot and back to the street. Now, from where we were when she asked me, this was literally in a straight line at about 150 feet in front of her. So I thought she was drunk or just blind. So I just politely said yes, just keep going straight and turn left at the tree. She then asked me if I could get in the car and show her. Now, again, I'm a former strip club bouncer, and this woman looked very much like Walmart Ali Wong. There was absolutely no intimidation factor, but for some reason, I instantly felt uneasy. Again, it was literally right in front of her. She could see the road. Also, the windows were all tinted far more than they should have been, and I honestly couldn't tell if anyone else was in the car. I used the smoking as an excuse to not get in the car, but she said she didn't mind and gave me a very creepy smile. I politely declined and again pointed out that the road was literally right there, so I'd just be walking back in five seconds anyways. She again asked if I would get in and show her. This was feeling like a weird kid-slash-ice-cream-truck situation. I mean, guys, how often do decently good-looking women just drive up and ask you to get in their car at 3 a.m. in a hotel parking lot? How often does anyone ask a big-bearded guy to just hop on in the car under these circumstances? Nothing about this was right. Again, I politely declined as I finished my smoke and was luckily already standing right at the hotel side door when all this started, so I just went on in. The woman just drove off as she rode up the window, right exactly to the exit she asked me to show her to. So I told the front desk about it, and they said they'd keep an eye out, but I'm quite sure nothing was ever done or came of it. Just one of those things that really makes me wonder... Why the hell did she want me to get in the car so badly for? A pretty man, I am not. So it had to be some kind of scam. I just wonder exactly how much danger I was in.
So to start this off, I've seen so many other people's stories with several comments that are insulting and horribly rude to the writer. I'm a bit nervous of how this will be perceived, but I'm going to post it anyway. For context, I am a 20-year-old female, and at the time of these events, I was around 12 to 13. So I grew up in a very rural area. Like, my town was so small, it was legally considered a village. My house was one of four on a span of 40 acres. My childhood home, my grandparents' house, right up the street, and two neighbors. One of the neighbors, not the subject of this post, we will call him T, had been living across near my family for as long as I can remember, and he rented out a trailer he owned, which was inhabited by the fourth neighbor. The subject of this post, by the way. We will call him J. Jan, his girlfriend, who we will call A, just moved in a few months before these events, and I hadn't really met them. I knew of them, but hadn't interacted with them directly. The day I met J and A was extremely awkward, as I was a kid and didn't really want to talk to them. But my grandma had made me go with her to drop off some vegetables she had grown in her garden. When they came out after my grandma knocked on the trailer door, I was first struck by how they looked. I know that sounds bad, but I'm not judging. I now know both of them were addicted to meth. My grandmother started the conversation, and I tried to be polite, as I was raised to be, by introducing myself when told to do so. I wasn't really able to finish my sentence, as I noticed Jay was staring at me very intently. He looked like he was either mad or hungry, or both. Not the creepiest of the bat, as they both seemed polite enough, and I brushed off the stare as just him trying to be polite, looking at me as I spoke to him, as most people would do. The creepy part is that, as time went on, he began to try and be near me more and more. He'd ride his bike past our house over and over for what seemed like hours, while me and my brother played catch in the yard with baseball gloves and a softball. Then he began to go to church with me, my brother, and my grandparents. He'd make sure to sit right next to me in the back seat of the car he rode with us. If my brother tried to sit in the middle so I wasn't right next to Jay, he'd throw a fit about how my brother was squishing him against the door. Then he began coming to my grandma's house when she'd have me and my brother after school offering to tutor me with various subjects. What really scared me was that I had begun to see him walking near our house at night, trying to shine a flashlight into my window. He tried various things to get close to me, tried to convince my parents to let him teach me how to golf, tried to help me practice my catching positions of softball, tried to get me to go with him and A to the movies, and none of these things ever included my brother. Only me. Things finally came to a head when I was playing with my dog outside in our front yard. She was a boxer. And he started repeatedly doing laps on his bike around the road again, staring at me like he did all the day we had met. I was extremely uncomfortable. I've always had very good intuition about people, and something was always just off with him. 
but that day I was terrified. He parked his bike right in the middle of the road and got off. He started walking towards me at almost a jog and I just kept backing away. What happened next is why I believe that dogs are a better judge of character than people could ever hope to be. My boxer ran up to him and launched herself onto him when he was about six feet from me. She tore into his arm and I saw blood. I screamed and my mom ran out shortly after. She was trying to pull the dog off of him, but as soon as she was able to, holding on to the dog's collar, she started yelling at him, asking him why he was in our yard with me alone. He couldn't answer her and just started running back to his bike, riding back to the trailer. My grandma ended up driving him to the hospital as J&A didn't have a car, and I learned later he got 16 stitches. He never gave a reason as to why he was approaching me, and they moved out shortly thereafter. Haven't seen him since, but I'm still terrified to this day to run into him again. And that, dear friends, is where I have to cut it short. That will bring a close to our true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Love, light, and peace. Have a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 